Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. In this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, I have the honor of talking with Dr. Miriam Zilgerblate. Dr. Z, as she's called, she is a triple board-certified physician in internal medicine, geriatrics, and obesity medicine. In addition, she's completed a Physician Leadership Academy, a fellowship on leadership development and education, and has been certified as a mental health ally. As a fellow of the American College of Physicians, she was selected to be part of the National Wellness and Professional Fulfillment Committee due to her deep interest on the areas of well-being and mental health advocacy. Dr. Z is currently completing a fellowship with the Creators Institute at Georgetown University while writing her first book about well-being and growth. And we get to talk all about this. It's a fun interview. We talk about post-traumatic growth and her thoughts on how we can use her 3G cycle to level up our own self-compassion and help our doctors, nurses, and healers take a space back from this healthcare industry as we're suffering from epidemic levels of burnout. I feel more confident with people like Dr. Z in our sphere that we're going to be okay. So enjoy this optimistic interview with Dr. Z. Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast, Dr. Miriam Zilberglate, Dr. Z. I have been (laughs) following her on social media, on LinkedIn, and she's a Jane of all trades. She's internal medicine, um, but really has her hands in a lot of different areas. She's writing a book. She's currently, as we're talking, doing telemedicine as well. We're we're multitasking our worlds as moms do. And so I am excited to get a moment of your time, Dr. Z. Thank you for showing up. Tell us a little bit about your journey. So thank you so much for having me. And I want to say that I love the name of your podcast, The Catalyst, because it's very important in my book. It's a component of my book. And we can talk about that later, but uh, that's the first connection that we have other than uh, being physicians, being women, and et cetera. So it's such a special moment for me to be here with you. So who I am, I am a Latin girl from Peru that went to medical school there, uh, worked as a geriatrician for 10 years um, for the Navy, uh, very involved in research and academia. And after 10 years of being a doctor, find out that was, you know, half empty. Um, Luckily, find an awesome guy, (laughs) but he was living in the U.S., so we started dating uh, back and forth Miami, Lima for a year. And in one of my trips to the U.S., he proposed and we got married. Beautiful. So I decided to, you know, start from zero in this country. And I became again an internal medicine doctor, a geriatrician, an obesity medicine, an academic physician. But even most important, I became a mom of two beautiful boys while I was doing my internship and my fellowship. So that's kind of who I am. 
That's beautiful. You are multifaceted. (laughs) And I love the word catalyst as you do. And I'm excited to read your book and let's dive in. What, what would you say is a catalyst moment for you recently? Well, for my life, uh, probably a lot of catalysts, uh, positive and no so positive, uh, but all with happy, happy endings, I will say. Um, these things that happened during COVID, right? Like for everybody, uh, we realized that we were sacrificing a lot our personal life, our families, right? And in my case, this was clear in front of my mom that developed dementia. And when we finally were able to go back to Peru and see her, uh, she was not able to recognize us in real life. She was able to find us in a phone and in the video, but uh, being there uh, was not so obvious for her. So we really noticed how how big was the gap, right? And, and mm-hmm. how much the distance uh, hurt us. Uh, with my kids, uh, they suffered tremendously. Uh, mommy being at home, being a physician, they were scared of mommy dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that that also was a red flag for me, something that, you know, touched my heart and, and, and asked, forced me to ask myself what I am doing with my life, what are my yes. priorities. And then in my job, I was able to witness, you know, things that were hurting people that I love and that I care about, uh, like my residents, right? Some some things like lack of diversity, like lack of inclusion or, or, or even major things that I thought that they were, you know, a reason for me to start learning and, and developing new skills and getting involved in the world of, of well-being. And, and, and I feel that these are three different aspects, but all together were my catalysts and they you know, took me to the next level. And, and yes, I believe that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Very reality based. And, and I think that's something that a lot of us are learning to reflect more and more as the old idea of being a physician and staying in the same practice for 30 or 40 years is just not reality anymore. People, we graduate, we tend to want to do more and different things and use our skills in different ways. And that's what you've done. You've actually you finished some leadership training and you've, you know, gone on to do other things. So tell me what you are envisioning for your own career path. What are you looking to manifest next? So I feel like I am in a point of my life where I still love teaching. I still love doing research and taking care of patients that didn't disappear from my heart. I, I, that's who I am. But also I recognize the responsibility that I have uh, to do this in a way that is more global. Um, and you mentioned that my trainings, right? And my trainings were not just random uh, or randomly selected. When you are in a, and happens to many of us, right? And not only in medicine, but in general, sometimes you get to a position that looks beautiful in your CV, but that you are not prepared for, right? And, and, and you say yes because you want, or you say yes because that's the only option that you have, uh, and suddenly you are there. And you can go through that position just surviving, or you can try while you are in that position, and you can do what is correct, what is ethical. And, and that means that even you may have a good heart and very good intentions, that is not enough. And that's the moment that you are self-aware and you say, SOS, I need help, right? Or SOS, 
I need to learn <laughs> or both. And that's exactly what I did. I asked for help for those that were around me already or those that I never met before. <laughs> and LinkedIn was a great platform for me to learn, <laughs> uh, to be sincere. And I met amazing people. And then I started to get trainings in, in different areas that will help me to to become the person that was able to help, not only the one that wanted to help, but you have to have the ability to do it. Yes, um, that's I decided beautiful. That, yeah, I will jump into that pool and I am so happy about that. Zero right? regrets. Yeah, zero <laughs> regrets. You're going to publish a book. Tell me about the book. What is the book about? So the book is a different way to see life. And it's a way that I am, trying to use for myself and I feel like has been kind of working not perfectly because nothing is perfect in life but at least has been allowing me to keep going um I feel like majority of us we feel very afraid of changing our paths or going through life because of the risk of failing and in the type of life that we live that is so linear right if you fail, there is no back, <laughs> no second opportunities in theory. But the truth is that life is not like that in reality. We have second opportunities and we have options to change our paths, right? We just need to be aware of that. Uh, so I changed my idea of life from being a linear life to be a cycle. That is, you know, sequences of cycles, like Play a video game, which I am very bad on, but my kids are amazing. So <laughs> if you go and you sit next to your kids, right, or you are very good with video games, you will notice that step by after step, level after level, you may fail at level, but you can go back, you can learn again, and you can jump into the next level, right? Yes. Uh, and worst of scenario, you hate that game. Right? <laughs> you realize that it's not for you, and you change the game. But how many life is like that, right? You engage in some situations uh, and they can be for you or not. And they can also be an option for you to learn, to develop new skills. And maybe you can go back on those. So my question was, okay, what happens if life is like that? And what happens if we have the opportunity to go through cycles and to, you know, to learn from them? So. I created this type of cycle that for me is the way that I manage my life. Everything starts with a goal, right? I mean, could be a goal from us, created by us, could be a goal that is created by the society. You need to marry at its age, you need to graduate from school. You know, there are things that are, <laughs> your mm -hmm. period will come and your teeth yes. will fall. But there are things that are worthless. But everything for me starts with a goal. What keeps you in that track, in that cycle? In my case, grief, my motivation, my feel, my energy, right? Uh, and, and what happened after that? So to close the cycle, in theory, we should be getting our goal done. But it doesn't happen all the time. Right. What happens all the time, at least in my case? I grow, right? I learned something. I met someone. I, I, I took decisions, right? So... That's why I call it the 3G cycle. Goal, greed, growth. And again, you can have during this cycle, 
my favorite word that we have in common, catalyst, yes. right? And you can have this positive catalyst, right? That help you. You have a lot of money and your emotional intelligence is super high and you have a lot of friends and people that is powerful and will help you. But you could have negative catalysts. And I think negative, like in a careful way, because you may have a medical condition or you may be a minority, like, I am, right? Or, or, or maybe you are poor or, or you have a disability. Uh, but even they may delay your journey. They may also expose you to the opportunity to learn skills, to be creative, you know, to, to find other ways to do things, therefore to grow. Yes. Uh, so the book is about that. It's about the different components of the cycle and the different catalysts that will affect us in positive or negative ways. And each of these chapters had amazing people that contribute. So one, two, or three individuals for kindness or for fear or for joy and you know greed. And they tell their stories. Uh, and I have people that donated a kidney as an act of kindness to someone that she didn't know before. Wow. And she's actually an expert on kindness. And I have someone that survived five different times uh, a tumor, a brain tumor. And right now he is, and for me, a superhero and he's helping others and coaching others to go through, you know, fear and and and, and grow and learn and many others. So it's a fantastic journey. That sounds beautiful. It sounds like you're repolishing and vamping the hero's journey where we go off and we learn and we come back and, and educate ourselves in our community. But like you mentioned, it's worth exploring our own ways that we're self-sabotaging. And even if we might get off track of the original goal, you're always learning something. It, and sometimes I feel that if you're practicing that vision where you reflect back on the lessons learned, like you're mentioning in your book, then everything becomes its own journey as opposed to the goal, you know, and, and we, what we think might be the goal is actually the lessons baked in the journey rather than the goal itself, which I think is so needed, you know, in this day and age where medicine and careers and healthcare can look a variety of different ways. It may not be that country doctor that's there for 40 years. It may be a 10 year place that you work and then you decide you want to use your skills in a different way. Um, so where do you envision after or maybe during your internal medicine, uh, telemedicine service? How else are you using your, your doctor skills? What else are you doing? So right now, my goal really is to, I mean, continue working uh, as a physician, uh, get involved again with academia. That's the, the, probably the next step. Uh, which I am in some way already doing, uh, giving lectures to medical students or residents about well-being. So instead of medicine per se, which I feel like is important, uh, uh, we need to re-educate ourselves, right? We need to learn these new skills that is to take care of ourselves, to be more self-compassionate, to be um be able to manage our own stress. So I, I feel that this is something that is also medical education, <laughs> life education. So I'm continuing doing that. Um, the, the next step is really to use this book as an opportunity, not only for people to 
read it, which I will be very happy about that. Uh, but the idea is to use this as, a, as an opportunity to keep helping. So the goal is to be able to use um, the, the money that we collect with the book to support organizations, small organizations that uh, deal with mental health uh, challenges. I actually selected someone already, a first, my first organization, and I am very happy and uh, excited about that because she actually was interviewed for my book and that's how I learned her story. She lost her son when he was around the 20s. Uh, healthy, happy, not red flag, uh, amazing boy. She decided after his death to start helping kids and young, you know, young adults to build resilience and prevent uh, suicide. Beautiful. Uh, her name is Leslie. Her program is Leslie Hopes. And the idea is to start with her as, as the first organization uh, that will be supported. And if things keep going in the right direction, to start selecting others, small organizations and and you know, that's beautiful. Transform this 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 dream in reality in something yes. that is complete. Yes, that's a great frame to put this in. Your hard work in writing a book can give back to the community and connect people together. There's so many stories of of tragedy and and we don't have enough support in this country for mental health and wellness. And then the healthcare givers, you know, are healing the healers is so important that that's where you and I connected in this sphere is we're both trying to help in, you know, kind of input this into medical training because, you know, at the recent burnout conference, they showed that the more self-compassionate we are as leaders, as physicians, then the less burned out we can be. And it is going to take a long time to change the system, but we can't wait. We have to start on the individual level, which is what you're doing. You're inviting people into conversation. You're teaching medical students. You're you're doing that hard work to help them understand this isn't just, you know, fluff. This is medicinal. This is needed to take care of yourself. And, and my stint is creativity is healing creativity and flow and neuroscience is so good for our souls. So you've already mentioned you're a writer, which is very creative. What other fun, creative things do you like to do? I like to paint. Uh, I didn't do it since I was in school, uh, but COVID actually, when I was <laughs> the first uh, my first COVID session, let's call it like that, right? When we didn't know anything about COVID and all of us, we were scared like crazy and that. And I was in my room by myself for two weeks, isolated. Uh, I asked sure. my husband to do something so I can get, you know, busy. I was very, I was getting crazy there, isolated. Um, so I asked him to bring painting uh, materials and I started painting again. So it has been also awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. What kind of media do you use? Is this acrylic or oil? Acrylic. I like acrylic. Yes. Oh, I love <laughs> I'm not great, but I mean, I there's enjoy no it, such thing as bad art. There's no such thing. And this is the thing about artistry and creativity, whether you're dancing or singing or painting, 
it's about the process. Just like what you said, you might have a goal in mind, but as you're painting on that canvas, your goal changes. You might go, oh, well, maybe the tree needs to be over here, or maybe I would rather have it be daytime or nighttime. And that's <laughs> the part that we can learn a lot from artists as doctors. I think we tend to be very linear. We are goal oriented. We, we jump over those milestones and we finally are where we need to be, but we've forgotten that it's the journey and the process of being open and curious about what belongs on that painting. And you right? mentioned something that is very interesting, right? And I believe that we heard this from, from our mentors in the past, is the art of medicine. Mm -hmm. We are practicing medicine. We are not, you know, practicing the art of medicine. And, yes. and, and I believe that big part of burnout is not because of the long hours that we used to work already or the, you know, the extra, uh, I don't know, documentation or, or whatever. Really, I feel like it's the lack of this emotional part that was so, you know, close to yes. practicing medicine, where you give your heart to someone and that when you receive that from others, right? Yes. Oh, yes. a smile from your patient when it feels better or, or you know, the hug or even you yes. know, bringing a cookie for you uh, where you you find yourself being also a human being. And I feel like we, we lost that. We did. We are going so fast and furious that yes. we need the opportunity to receive the feedback, the emotional feedback of practicing medicine. Oh, that's so beautiful, Dr. Z. Absolutely. This is crucial as we've marched forward with technology, which is fantastic. We've now stripped the humanity from medicine. So it's become very algorithmic. And because we are wanting to measure outcomes that can have a difficult time measuring how well or healthy somebody is. So what do we do? We measure, are they getting their mammogram? Are they getting their tetanus? Uh oh, you're not doing your job as a doctor, you know, and it's, it's really distanced us from that humanistic interaction that we get as creative beings. And it truly is the art of medicine is needing to be reinfused back into the exam room where we ask patients, okay, here's your vital signs. All right. How, how much are you in pain? But what's that sixth vital sign? What do you do that makes you feel alive? Are you able to do that? Are you able to have your hobby? What are you doing? Are you working yourself to death? You know, and, and here's these doctors that are doing the same thing, working themselves to death that we need to infuse them with that knowledge that this is important. Um, and I love that you are that catalyst, bringing it forward, teaching younger generations of this, especially in post-traumatic growth, right? With, yes. with COVID and all all the things that have changed our mind and our hearts um, growing during adversity is important. How is that in your life, the whole post-traumatic growth? So I love that you use a term, right? Because that's exactly the, the appropriate term for what I'm trying to achieve in the book. That is the clinical term, right? Uh, and I'm glad that, that you are bringing it to the table, right? Post-traumatic growth is, is something that positive psychology brings to the table with a different perspective, right? Of focusing on the negative and, and, and the positive psychology changing to positive, uh, focus you focusing in the positive, right? And, and what you can develop from something that may be you know, adverse to you. And it's a beautiful concept because it goes beyond the fact that of achieving resilience, right? We are used to always go back to, okay, we are resilient. Resilience is not enough. Uh, it's good, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. So every time that we bounce back and we go back 
to our baseline, that means that we are not growing and that we are not learning absolutely anything from whatever happened to us or even to what happened to others in front of us. So resilience is a survival mode, a little more, uh, let's say, elegant, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's not enough. We need to go for growth. And that's the next step, right? So when you are in front of a traumatic event, uh, and trauma may be, yes, a bomb exploding in front of you, COVID, but could be a divorce, could be the amputation of your pinky, could be uh, losing someone. Uh, so uh, trauma means so many different mm-hmm. things, changing your job, right? Mm-hmm. So trauma is different for everybody, uh, but it's special for you and it's hurtful for you. The question is, what do you want to do with that? And I don't like victims and I don't like to be a victim. So in front of trauma, you need to trauma or adversity. You need to decide what is your next step? Are you planning to complain about how unlucky you are, how mean people live, how unfair is the world? Or are you planning to take one advantage of the situation two responsibility of your acts and your emotions and three, do something. Yes. And, right. And and I believe that for physicians, and believe me, I understand that the system doesn't work. I agree with that. I, I mean, that, that let's let's put this clear, right? The system is broken mm-hmm. or even worse. Let's take that aside. What are we doing as physicians and as individuals, right? Are we doing something to improve it or are we complaining? Are we part mm-hmm. of a committee or are we part of the people that is in cafeteria saying how bad was the day or how many patients they saw. Are we, you know, learning something? Are we getting aware yes. of the day? Are we calling, I don't know, the president? Or are we crying? Yes, I, I think this is beautiful as far as you're explaining trauma, which is really anything that our amygdala says is traumatic. You can't really force a definition on other people because a simple... um tiny event can be traumatic to your brain. And, and what happens is since doctors are now removed from any of the decision-making policies, we are basically little worker bees in the big hive. Then we have a problem pointing fingers and blaming and saying, we're victims. This is never going to change. Well, it isn't going to change. So then what boundaries can we put in so that we can heal? You know, how can you stop the hemorrhage? How can you look at your day and say, no, or push back. And I think that's the problem is we've been unfortunately taught to be self-serving and overflowing with the empathy and just sort of bleeding out on the sword. And we need to start saying, no, this isn't helping me and I'm dying. And I love that this post-traumatic growth is a great way of saying, where can I level up? What can I do that makes me feel good and whole? Do I want to learn something new or do I want to take extra time off to go for a walk? Or what other ways do you recommend when you talk to the younger you know, students and residents? How do you help them see the importance of post-traumatic growth? What what other things do you tell them about? So the first thing I say is that in order to don't, you know, to move from victim to, to, you know, an individual that takes decisions, you need to take responsibility, right? It's easier to be a victim. And, and, and I want to people to recognize that. For us, it's easier to complain. Such an easy sure. thing. Oh, yes. the day was miserable. I hate my boss. I hate my job. Okay. 
I mean, I'm sure all of us, majority of us, we can think about changing our jobs, saying I will not do this, right? I'll set it a complaint, whatever it is, right? It's, we are not uh, kids. I understand that medical students, residents are in other position and that's where we come into, you know, the table and we are supposed to advocate for them and set this, you know, new system uh, so they are protected uh, right now because they are vulnerable. But we, we are adults. We are mm-hmm. smart people. We belong to an elite, right? Probably the smartest people in the community uh, with good salaries. Uh, you know, how we can see ourselves as victims. Yes. But removing ourselves from victims means that now we have to be responsible, that the decisions that we will take will be on us, not in others. If we make a mistake, it will be our fault, not others. And that, that is this. Yes, it's it's so solid. Very good advice. Taking responsibility can feel scary. It can feel uncertain where you think, well, I don't want to take responsibility of my misery because there's no way out. You know, so many of us live in the burnout cloud. We feel like there's no way out, but taking responsibility can be trained and you can train yourself into this growth mindset where you simply start journaling or you just take time out for yourself that's quiet in in the morning and and just putting those tiny little safe containers of space is enough for you to feel that you're nourishing yourself and are I think that's so helpful and and should be something as part of our training to take care of ourselves self-awareness right anything that starts with self-awareness I recognize my gaps I recognize my opportunities I recognize my gifts and I use them in my favor and the favor of those that need me. The second thing that I will say is, um, and you mentioned it, right? Practice mindfulness, right? And, and mindfulness is something that is very simple to practice. I was very against even thinking about that. I was like, I cannot concentrate. I am a type eight. I am swiper. How I will do this? <laughs> and it takes few seconds, really. And and I will tell you what I do personally. I love chocolate, right? So when I I'm in a very distressful moment. Um, and it happens here and there at home or at work, right? Or both. <laughs> um, now that I do telemedicine, is I am in both sides at the same in the same time. Uh, I use something that normally is done uh, with different different components. You can use any food. I, I I like the chocolate. You open the envelope of the chocolate. You see it. You smell it. And, you know, you you start like feeling this pleasure of you will eat it soon. You put it in your mouth. Beautiful. You feel the taste. And you wait a little before you even, you know, chew it. Raise and, that dopamine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then finally, after a few, you know, seconds, finally you chew it and you enjoy it and you swallow it. And you are activating in this, you know, tiny exercise that is 30 seconds probably, what you are activating really is all your senses that are not focusing the boss that is torturing you, in the patient that insults you, in the long list of tasks, but is just focusing in yourself and a tiny piece or moment of joy yes. that will you know, secret dopamine, serotonin, and so many other yes. things that will make you feel 
happy. And it's giving you a break, right? Yes. The truth is that what we need is moments of the day that we give ourselves a break, even if it's a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Where we can kind of reset our brain so we yes. can engage in the next challenge. Challenges right. will be in front of us. Right. You I, I love that term reset. And I feel like we look at our computers and we see sometimes they need to have a soft reboot. And yet we're expecting our bodies and souls and minds to be fresh all the time throughout our whole day. And we never even plan to pause. And that's part of the flow cycle in our neuroscience is that we do cycle through different brain activities. And the, the simple act of in my mind, I, I, I think of my dog and I think my dog is always mindful. They are just, I mean, she is in the present moment and does not think five steps ahead, but in humans, our brains are predictive machines. We want to know where the next step is and what we're going to do. And sometimes just channeling your inner canine friend, your dog and go, (laughs) what am I feeling right now? Seeing, sensing, tasting, and that's all that matters. And the more you do it, you said it, it true. It gets easier and you can do it in just a few seconds standing in the grocery line. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you thinking? You know, what do you feel at the bottom of your feet? And that helps you reset. It doesn't have to be extravagant. I absolutely love all the work you're doing. Um, if you had a magic wand and <laughs> you could change healthcare overnight with your special magic wand, Dr. Z, what would you Ooh. like to have differently? Well, maybe I have powers because my birthday is on Halloween. So who knows? Maybe. <laughs> yes. If I will be able to bring something, the first thing that I will bring to, to, the, to the healthcare system is respect. Um, I believe that the lack of respect between each other, patient to doctor, doctor to patient, managers to doctors, vice versa, nurses, etc. If we if we will bring respect, if we will bring empathy, uh, if we will bring compassion, that will fix big part of the problem. Because when you are kind with others. Right, and with you respect others, and what you bring, and, and for me, respect and kindness, they they bring also to the table diversity, inclusion. For me, it's, it's, it's the same yes. box, right? If we will accept the opinions of others and we will respect, you know, what each of us can bring to the table, we will start practicing again medicine, the art of medicine, which is help others, right? bring bring well-being to the life of others without sacrificing anyone in the process. And we forgot that. We are robots providing, you know, care. And I learned this from a new friend of mine that I, I met through, through the process of the book, Jonathan Fisher. He has been very well involved in burnout prevention. And, and he taught me something very interesting, the difference between take care and caring, right? We are taking care of people. We are not caring about people. And we need to start caring again. Uh, So that will be my, if my magic power helps. That's beautiful. I absolutely adore everything you're doing, Dr. Z. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for being a catalyst in healthcare. The more people that are singing in this choir, 
of burnout prevention and leveling up healthcare and trying to look for innovative ways to keep us vibrant, happy, and creating our best self. That this career is a wonderful career, but we're losing the brightest, youngest minds and people are not as happy as I think we could be. But with others like you in the space, (laughs) I feel more optimistic and hopeful. So thank you again, Dr. Z, for sharing your time. If our listeners would like to learn more about you, where can they find you? So I am at LinkedIn, so they can find me there. And I appear like Dr. C or Miriam Silberglade. And I just opened my first uh, website that is for the book, uh, which is www.3gcycle.life. So they can see the 32 amazing experts that I interviewed there and they can learn about the book and learn a little about me and and get connected. So it will be great to meet new people and learn from new people and share. Oh, I love this. Thank you. If if I wish the listeners could see your your dazzling smile. I absolutely <laughs> loved talking with you. You're so heart-centered. And I wish you the best of luck. And I cannot wait to read your book. So thank you again for thank being on the Catalyst you. podcast and everybody out there. Keep coloring outside the lines to create your work-life masterpiece of your dreams. Until next time, have a great day. <laughs>